Hello and welcome to another message from Aldinga Bay Baptist Church. If you'd like to find out more about us or what we believe, please visit aldingabaybaptist.org.au. Okay, let's pray. Father, thanks for this text and for this day. I pray in the midst of all that's going on that you would speak really deeply into our lives and into our hearts. And we ask for your grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, today is just such a significant day, isn't it? Here we are, Resurrection Sunday, and we get to open this text and, and have a look at it. And today really is uh, the biggest day of the year. And I don't want that to be lost on us. It really is the biggest day of the year. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And because he's been raised from the dead, it changes absolutely everything. It's, uh, you know, we no longer have to be afraid of death. Death no longer holds us. Our sins have been dealt with. We've been brought into relationship with God. You know, it is the victory song, isn't it? The Resurrection Sunday. What a great day. What a great day. It is the biggest day of the year. But it is a big claim as well, isn't it? Jesus has been raised from the dead. And as I think about it, I think, well, you know, most of the world doesn't actually believe that. I mean, truthfully, there's millions and millions and billions of people that have and do. There's no small thing in a corner, but still, most of the world doesn't believe that. And I think to myself, well, I reckon that probably as Christians, all of us at times would think, ah, oh, can I really trust this? Is this really something that I can bank on? Is this really something I can give myself to? I think that's true. The beautiful thing about this text today, though, is the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, is it's a story of their journey, of how they go from doubt to belief, how they're transformed. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. You know, why is it we can believe the resurrection? And how is it that it can change us? Okay, why is it we can believe it and how can it change us? I just want to reflect on this um, and... Um, by God's grace, let it change us. So three thoughts really coming out of this. First one is about doubt, and then it's about reason. And then thirdly, uh, the idea of change. Okay, this all seems to be in this passage, this great story. So firstly, doubt. It's interesting, when I was reflecting on this, writing this sermon, I noticed probably something I hadn't actually let sink in before, and that is that every one of the Gospels when it comes to the resurrection story, starts with a story about doubt. Everyone. It's the story of the women going to the tomb, not in great expectation on the back of Jesus and what he had said, that he would be raised on the third day, which he did on several occasions. But they came with spices to prepare the body. And it's exactly how it is here, isn't it? In this text, we didn't read those early passages. Uh, apologies, Narelle, in the Bible reading we were going to, and then I changed it last minute, forgot to tell uh, the uh, tech team. But uh, this is how it goes. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they prepared. And the they were told later on, uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women. 
They came to the tomb with spices prepared because they're obviously going to embalm the body. When they got there, the stone was rolled away and there were two angels in gleaming white saying, why are you looking for the, for the, the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He's been risen. Remember what he told you? That's a great story. And then, but then it's interesting because the doubt continues. They go from there and they go back eagerly to the apostles. Wow, the apostles, 11 apostles. And this is what it says. But these, and they told them, but these words seemed like an idle tale and they did not believe them. And that's really significant, isn't it? Because Luke wants us to know all about doubt. He, he talks so much about it here, really brings it out. And then he says, I'm not done, really. There's another story I want you to know as well. And that's the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it goes this way, that very day, two of them, not the 11, not the apostles, but they're two disciples. Maybe it's a husband and wife. Maybe it's two blokes. We don't know. That very day, the two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing them, Jesus himself drew near and went to them. But their eyes were kept from recognising him. This is a great story, isn't it? You think, oh, it set itself up already. It's, it's a great story. It's kind of like, as you hear the story, it's a little bit like maybe watching a TV show, I was thinking. Like, we're from the outside looking in and we know what's going on. Uh, but they don't know what's going on. Jesus has turned up. He's right there. He's amongst them. And we, we'd be watching and saying, oh, this is great. I wonder what's going to happen. But their eyes are veiled and they have no idea that that's Jesus. I think, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, why would Jesus do that? I mean, it, it'd be great, wouldn't it? The story was uh, they were walking and discussing these things and Jesus rocks up and says, I'm here. I've been raised. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. I think, why not? Well, perhaps, one, because we're supposed to see the doubt. We're supposed to see the struggle. We're supposed to enter into that and we probably can relate to that at some times. And not only that, though, but we also get beautifully to see how Jesus unpacks this to them, how he presents himself to them and the huge difference that makes. So I want to get to that second part, really, but to start with, the doubt. You know, this is, they are filled with doubt. This is how it goes. You just to read again some of that which Barb has said for us. Then one of them, Jesus said, Why are you looking sad? Then one of them, Cleopas, answered and said, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things? <laughs> what things, says Jesus? Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty indeed. See, they haven't given up on him. They just think, Oh, he was amazing. Mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. So they don't think he was a charlatan. They, they just can't believe what they've seen and they can't believe what's happened. And this is how they go. You know, our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day, they say, since these things happened. Moreover, some of our women from our company amazed us they were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. They came back saying that they'd seen a vision of angels and that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So it's a really interesting story, isn't it? I mean, there's so many things around that, that story. 
you know, here are these, these two people, Cleopas and his friend, and they're on the way to Emmaus. Jesus comes to them. And, and they start talking about everything that's happened. Jesus, the one that we thought was going to redeem Israel. We're sure that was the case, but he, but he was crucified. And even though the women, I mean, back in those days, we've probably heard it said lots of times, the, the, the word of a woman wasn't regarded uh, highly at all. And so there's this cultural thing going on. But still, I think, well, maybe, but I don't know. I reckon if these people were my friends as they were, you know, these women were pretty close to Jesus and the disciples, you'd think that, you know, maybe they might say, given the fact that Jesus had said, I was going to be raised on the third day, that maybe, you know, that might just trigger them a little bit of belief. So why, you know, why don't they? Why, why aren't they all lined up at the tomb, you know, on the third day, given what Jesus has said? Well, we're told in the Gospels that, you know, that was hidden from them as well, just like Jesus is hidden from the disciples here, that even though Jesus told them, it was hidden from them. And sometimes I think, you know, that hiding is just very natural. You know, it's not just sort of uh, out there it's in some mystical way, but sometimes, you know, our brains just don't have the compartments to embrace things. I mean, the idea of Jesus being raised from the dead was just beyond anything that they could imagine. And then I think also, you know, the crucifixion that they all witnessed, it was the most brutal thing, wasn't it? What does crucifixion say? Well, I'm pretty sure it says defeat. You have been rolled and crushed and crushed, squashed by the Roman Empire. It's a bloody thing. It's a brutal thing, that crucifixion. On the Friday, Jesus, the one who had all authority, you know, we, we talked on Friday about the fact that Jesus was never out of his depth. You know, he, 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 he calmed the storms and he, you know, he healed the sick. He just knew exactly what to say. And these people have seen that and Jesus is always in control. But here on the Good Friday, everything seems to be lost. He seems to be out of his depth. He's arrested, he's He's bound, he's flogged, he's humiliated. He carries his cross to Golgotha and there he's impaled, bloody mess of a man for the world to see. It doesn't sound very victorious. So there's a sense where you say, well, no wonder they didn't expect anything beyond this because Jesus for all intents and purposes, looks like he's been completely defeated. Nobody stands up to the establishment. Doubt. And I think, well, that's, that is probably how it is uh, in a different way, but that's still how it is, isn't it? There's questions about the resurrection. You know, I think for the most part, uh, our world says when they look at the story of Jesus, oh, it is a really beautiful story, you know, Love, love your neighbour as yourself, love your enemies and the healing of the sick and the way that Jesus has so much compassion for people and he goes to them. And even the death on the cross, few people dispute it historically. Don't let anyone tell you that they do or that Jesus' story is a myth. No, that's not true. You know, historians certainly believe in the story of Jesus. And he, how he lived and how he went to the cross and died. And what a beautiful story that is too, isn't it? About self-sacrificial love. So people buy into all of that, but then it comes to the resurrection. 
And we say, well, I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't really happen. And so we stop short of going that far. And that's, that's often how it is. But us as Christians, we say, no, he's raised. We believe that. But we can talk ourselves into lots of things, can't we? And so why, why is it that we really believe? Why should we believe this whole crucifixion story? You know, that story of doubt, it's something that does run through a lot of our minds. It's worth talking about it. But again, this story just is unpacked for us in a beautiful way that helps us to appreciate that. Because the story of the resurrection is a story about reason. And it's interesting how Jesus approaches it. And that's, that's why I think we get the road to Emmaus' story the way that we do. Here they are, full of doubt. Jesus comes to them. What are you talking about? They tell him. And then notice what Jesus says. They still don't know it's Jesus, but he, he says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That is a pretty big passage. Did you get it? Did you hear what it said? You know, Jesus opened the scriptures to them and he showed them from Moses and the prophets all that had been said concerning him. I don't want just to blow that off. That is a massive statement. It's a massive statement in the history of this world that this was spoken about beforehand. It's a very good reason to stop and to really take this seriously. Let me just think about it for a moment. Let us think about it for a moment. You know, here we have, we, we're privileged. We live in a world where we have access to the Bible. And the Bible, you know, it's, it is the best-selling book hands down of any other book that's ever been written in this world. Well, that's pretty significant, isn't it? We're not talking about something in a corner here. We're not talking about something which is obscure. Of that, yeah, I've heard about the Bible. Well, that's not at all. I mean, it's the hands down, smash anything out of the ballpark, best-selling book in the entire world. And it's interesting, two-thirds of this book, the Bible, the thing we call the Old Testament, was written over, just the Old Testament, was written over a thousand-year period by numerous different authors, and it was actually completed Genesis to Malachi, a few hundred years before Jesus is born. So when Jesus comes, and it talks about him unpacking Moses and the prophets, he's unpacking to them something that had been written and completed and embraced as God's word hundreds of years before he even comes. Oh, that's pretty significant, isn't it? And then Jesus says, this thing, is not a book of random stories. And sometimes we can take it that way, the Old Testament, can't we? But it isn't like that at all. It's not a book of random stories, but it is a book that points to Jesus all the way through, sometimes in really specific ways. In fact, some of it is just incredibly specific. I want to get to that, but you think about the macro as well. This is how it goes, isn't it? The whole story of the Bible this is where we need to really appreciate this. Appreciate what it is, perhaps what people aren't believing or what we're struggling with. Appreciate why it is we can believe. So the story of the Bible is, a, is the fact that God made us for a relationship with him. 
He loves us. We've sung about that this morning. But we walk away and there's this rescue mission. This rescue mission where God reaches out and saves us. And this is how it goes. We read through the, we're doing a series in Exodus at the moment. And you read through Exodus, we're about to get this section on law. It can be really drab, can't it? You know, this is how it speaks about Jesus. It just paints the whole picture for us. We read about law and you, you hear about all these moral teaching and there's so much detail. I've been reading through Exodus quite a few times uh, just over the last few months trying to get my head around it. And you come to the tabernacle and the furnishings for the tabernacle or for the attire of the uh, priests and what they have to wear with bells and all sorts of things. And you think, good grief, you know, how can I relate to this? It's got so much detail about all this stuff, all these laws and everything. You, think, you read through the Bible and you think, oh, this seems so boring, but it's actually telling you something. It's telling you something about the holiness of God, that he is so unlike us. See, he is so unlike us. We, we, we cannot approach him. He is so great, so unlike us. And, and he's got standards and laws and we fall short of those all the time. So it's one of the things that's telling us in Moses and the prophets. And then you go on and you, and you read some troubling things too, don't you? Like the, the conquest. We come to the conquest of Canaan, God's people coming and, they are, and there's stories of massive bloodshed. And we read those stories and we think, oh, goodness me. I remember there's a friend of ours and her sister says, the Bible is the book of horrors. She's not a Christian. The book of horrors. And I can say, well, yeah, there's, there's some pretty horrible stuff there. It's, it's hard to deal with some of that, isn't it? The conquest. But it's really a story about judgment. That's why it's so horrific. See, Israel has been sent by God to judge the people of Canaan. And it, and it should make us uncomfortable. It should make us sad because that's what judgment is like. But it's actually a picture, though, of God's holiness again and the judgment that awaits every one of us. So the Bible's painting this picture. It's not just random stories, but it's actually saying, yeah, there's some things in here that are hard to read. Sometimes there's lots of detail. Sometimes it's got detail, which is horrible, horrible, and hear it, but it's actually telling us something about the holiness of God is telling us something about judgment. But it's also a story about redemption. So God says to the nation of Israel, I'm raising you up and through you, I'm going to bless the entire world. And that's where it comes to the story of this great king. It's woven all the way through it. Genesis 3 onward, you know, one day the seed of the woman is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. There's going to be this great king who is going to rule over this world and he's going to liberate this world. He's going to destroy death. He's going to destroy all the great enemies, in fact, the great enemies. And he's going to usher in one day a new world, a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to change people's hearts. So this is all in the Old Testament. It says, get ready because this person is coming. And then it has this great detail. I thought I'd put up Isaiah. We, it's probably one of the, the best texts, but really it's not a random text. It is all the way through. It's, this one's written a few hundred years before the birth of Jesus. We probably know it well, but today's a good day to remember it. It's almost like I can imagine this being the text that Jesus was reading to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I don't know, speculation, but just maybe. Don't you see, he's saying, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Go down to verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray. Oh, that's the story of the Bible. We've turned everyone to his own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on. But he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Well, that's how the, the story goes in the Gospels, isn't it? Joseph, the rich man, gave his tomb. And although he'd done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. I think this looks like, that looks like the story of the cross. But also it looks like the story of the resurrection. Yet when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The Lord, as the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and he shall be satisfied. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil of the strong because he poured out his soul to death. Well, that's an amazing story, isn't it? It's just so specific. So this is what I want us to see this morning is that the resurrection is a really big claim. It is a really big claim. And sometimes we might wrestle with that. But I want you to see that Jesus specifically when he comes to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he opens the word of God. And he says, I want you to see that the very things that have taken place are the very things that were spoken about. This is something that you should have known. This is the great truth. I want you to reflect on that because I want you to be confident. It's it's an important time to be confident, isn't it? We've talked about our friend passing away yesterday. And death is so, seems so final. It seems so full. It seems so difficult to grapple with. But as Paul says later on, I don't want you to grieve as those that have no hope. There is hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. And it changes absolutely everything and there is every reason to embrace it and to say something genuinely happened here that was foretold even before Jesus came into this world. Uh, Have confidence. That's what I want you to hear. Have confidence and have joy. There's one more thing in this story. It's a story about doubt, it's a story about reason, but it's also a story about change, if you like. And it's interesting when the change comes, I mean, it's, it's, it's welling up within them as you go through the story. It's, they're being changed, but they are finally changed, we're told, just later in the story. So when they drew near to the village where they were going, Jesus acted like he was, wasn't gonna, he was going to go on farther, but they urged him strongly to stay and so, they, so later on it says, when he was at the table with them, he broke bread and he blessed it and he gave it to them. And then finally their eyes were opened and they recognised him. Wow. But he vanished from their sight and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? And then they rose, there rose that same hour and they return to Jerusalem. See, did you see just some of the things going on there? You know, Jesus comes to them and he reveals himself to them and then their eyes are opened and they changed because they rose that same hour and they journeyed back to Jerusalem. I mean, it's nighttime now. Nobody travels at night. 
but they're overcome with joy. And they have to go and do something about that. In fact, the story goes on into the next part. I just want to dip my toe in that briefly because the next part of the story is, is actually a very similar story. You remember the disciples, you know, the idle words of the women, you know, they didn't believe a word. And then though later on, Jesus comes to them. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said, peace to you. But they were frightened because they thought they saw a spirit. Jesus says, why are you troubled? And why do you have doubts arising in your heart? See my hands and see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And then later on, it's kind of exactly what happened with the other people, but in reverse. Jesus appears to them, but then later on, he, he goes back to the word of God. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. It's just like the other story, really, isn't it? Jesus, just in reverse, Jesus comes to them and then he opens the Bible and helps them to see everything's there. And then they changed, goes into the Great Commission. And boy, are they changed. The disciples, it's it's staggering, isn't it? I mean, it's another great reason to believe because the, the reason the church was born, as most of you know, the reason it was born... It started was not because people liked the good teachings of Jesus. No, that was not it. It was because they said, we saw the resurrected Jesus. He stood before us. He ate fish. We touched him. He is real. And of course, they couldn't help be changed. Of course, they could not help be changed. And they gave up their lives. And they went around the world and they preached the gospel. And the church is here today, 2,000 years on, for one reason, folks, because of the resurrection of Jesus. I say, why do I tell you that story? Why do we come there? Well, I think because it's still true. You know, we can, we can be people that have doubts and then we can say, oh, there is good reason to believe this. But it doesn't mean you're going to be changed. I think the only reason you're going to be changed is because Jesus comes to you and he's still in the business of coming to you. He comes to you by his spirit. And he says to you, and maybe he's talking to you today, Maybe it's you today that you feel like, oh, God is actually speaking to me. Well, maybe you've already come to him, but you're reflecting back on that because you've drifted somewhat. But Jesus, he, he comes to us. He comes to us by his spirit and he puts his finger on our lives. And he says, I tell you, the greatest truth in all the world is that I was raised victorious over death, victorious over sin, I went to the cross, I died, I paid the price. The great enemies have been defeated. Sin, Satan and death itself. In order that you might know the Father. And I've been raised victorious over that. And he comes to us and he compels us. And and even through things like death, death of a friend, death of a loved one. Why is it so hard? Well, partly because we are reminded of how finite we are, how mortal we are. And it is a very important reminder. See, I've done lots of funerals and I've been around a lot of death over the years because that's what happens when you've been a pastor for a long time. And usually when I drive home from a sobering experience like yesterday and I see all the people on the roads and people acting like they have no care in the world, I think to myself, don't you see? Don't you realise how fleeting life is, and we live as if today is everything. And God comes to us and he says, no, it's not. Death is real. 
Your mortality is real. You are just a breath away from eternity. But there is hope, you see. There is hope because Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. It's recorded in Scripture. We should believe it, but you only believe it if God comes to you. But perhaps he is because he's a God who loves the world and desires that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance and salvation in him. You see, this is the greatest story. This is the event that changed the world. Today is the day of days. It is the greatest day because Jesus rose from the dead. We would love to talk to you further about that, should you like to. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word, and that in the midst of all the sadness that we're feeling at the moment, this is the weekend that we celebrate where everything changes, where everything has changed and it has tipped this world on its head and we should take it seriously. And dear God, may we be changed by it and may we be worshippers of you because of it and may we be witnesses for you in this world because our hearts are burning within us because of the great truth that this world knows, does not know and it is far worse off because of it. We thank you for this truth. Lord, help us to make it known, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.